Okay, real quick, before we get started, you know, one thing you all know is we don't run any ads on this podcast. So all we ask in return is if you are enjoying the podcast and you want to spread a little love, please leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. And for all we know, it helps someone create the love life they truly deserve. So let's jump into it. Now you have to make your partner in your relationship a priority, but it's it's how soon you're putting them above everything else, right? You've all had that friend who, as soon as they start dating somebody, they disappear completely. Oh they, yeah, that's too much, too soon. And chances are, if you're still listening to this podcast right now, you've been that friend. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. We've all been that. Like at some point in time in our lives, we've all kind of been that friend where you drop everything for that person. And then you realize later that it was totally irrational. It was totally ridiculous. You come begging for forgiveness to all of your friends. You're like, I'll never make that mistake again. All right, Dr. Lewandowski, today we're going to be talking about anxious attachment style. And when I was thinking about this before this podcast, something that really stood out to me is one of our first conversations we ever had. You probably don't remember this, but we were talking about bringing you in as our kind of chief love scientist here. And you explained to me that attachment styles is one of the best scientifically scientific ways to look at relationships. I mean, it's the most researched. It's really like a foundational idea behind why it is that we do what we do in relationships. Do you remember that conversation? Vaguely. I know like this is one of those things. Attachment is one of the most popular topics in all of relationship science. Yeah. Um, it's also one of those topics that, you know, the clients of our program can't get enough of this topic either. Um, and it's for good reason. And I think what I said back then is probably something in the extent of like attachment is so well, it's probably the most well-researched theory we have in relationship science. And one yeah. of the reasons for that is, is once you understand the core of attachment and attachment styles, you can understand a lot about relationships because when you research yeah. on this, at least every time I've done a study on attachment styles, the predictions you make based on the theory, they, it feels, it just feels like they almost always work. And so understanding attachment is really putting you on a path to relationship success. Yeah. And anxious attachment is definitely something that we tend to work with our, more of our clients tend to have anxious attachment than avoidant attachment. So today we're going to be talking about eight signs that you might have an anxious attachment style. And once you start to understand these patterns, then it allows you to really start changing your behavior because I mean, no one wants to be alone. Everyone wants to have someone they can share their life with. But if you're struggling with anxious attachment, which we're going to explain exactly what attachment styles are in a minute, uh, perhaps you might be going a little bit too far in that fear of being alone, being a little bit extra, and perhaps even scaring guys away. Right, Gary? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know, you're right that most of our clients, we probably get more anxious attachment. I think more people realize they have anxious attachment. Um, yeah. Then they might realize they have other forms of, of attachment issues. Um, that said, though, I think there's plenty of people who are listening to this and be like, well, I don't think I'm anxious at all. And that's actually what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about some of the obvious signs that you might have an anxious attachment style, as well as some subtle things that might indicate that you're more anxious than you think you are. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And when you're in it, it can be really hard to recognize these things. Like when you're talking to a guy that you really like and, oh my God, does he light up your world? Um, our behaviors sometimes change a little bit and it can be hard to actually recognize how we are, perhaps we're leaning in too much and pushing these guys away. So we'll get into some of the obvious ones, but then there are going to be some that you are not going to have seen coming and or perhaps you haven't seen coming. And once you can recognize these things, you can be like, okay, now I can change my behaviors. And the beautiful part about anxious, uh, attachment styles in general 
is that it's not like a tattoo on your forehead. Okay. It's something that you can change. You can work on. Um, once you recognize these patterns, you can change your behavior. And I feel like the point of being able to listen to podcasts like this or understand some of our strategies is once you recognize these signs, then suddenly you can just recognize them when you're in it with a guy. When you're really in it, you're like, oh, I'm starting to lean back into this pattern. Let's change my behavior here. And suddenly you'll see that your results really change with guys. Yeah. I mean, I, it's something that not only you can see in yourself and modify, but it's also once you understand attachment theory, you can start picking out the signs in some of your potential partners, which is useful. Right. Um, I also like something you just said there, and I want to underscore it because, you know, back in March, we did a whole webinar on attachment just for our clients. Right. And so we spent a lot of time digging into attachment styles and, and attachment theory. And one of the things you said just a second ago is probably the most important thing for people to understand is like, as much as people like attachment styles, because you kind of get to start fitting yourself in these neat little categories, mm -hmm. it's not destiny. Like if you are, if you do a quiz and you come out secure, it's not like, yes, I'm secure for the rest of my life. It's like, you're generally secure, but you might have some anxious moments. You might have some avoidant moments. If you come out anxious, it doesn't mean, oh gosh, you know, it's done for me. Like I'm always going to be anxious. It's like, no, now you see your patterns. And once you identify those patterns, now you have something to work on. Right. All right. So we're four minutes into this. We're talking about anxious attachment, avoid attachment. Dr. L, why don't you explain what is an attachment style for those who've never heard of this idea? Sure. Attachment style is your general way of forming emotional bonds with other people. Um, I mean, it starts in childhood with your parental caregivers, and then your parental caregivers give way to your romantic partners. Um, and it's just your general feeling toward your comfort with closeness with somebody else. Like how, how much are you able to let people in right. um, simultaneously with how worried are you about being abandoned or left alone? And so when those two dynamics combine, those give us our attachment styles. Right. And there's a few big ones. I mean, the big ones are just anxious attachment and then avoidant attachment, right? And then there's fearful avoidant, which. Yeah. We, and we so there's, there's two main types of insecure and that's anxious and avoidant. Yeah. Um, and then there's secure and secure are the people who aren't worried about being abandoned and they're very comfortable with closeness. Um, right. the, the folks we're talking about today, anxious attachment, they're very comfortable being close, but the reason they're so comfortable with closeness is that they have a high anxiety over abandonment. So they're constantly worried about being left in, you know, this relationship ending and, and not carrying on. Yeah. It's like, have you ever dated that guy who is just kind of that stage five clinger? This is all the, the audience here. The guy who just won't you leave you alone. He always wants to feel close. He always needs affirmation. It's a classic stage five clinger, right? And we kind of, we, kind of, we always think of women as being the stage five clingers, right? And, and um, we can talk about maybe the difference in genders between the two, but Men can be the same way. Men can mm -hmm. absolutely be anxious attachment as well. They can get extremely jealous. They can never want you to leave their side, all of those things. And, um, you know, so that that's really what an anxious attachment style generally is, is you just, you don't want to lose that person. So you fight, you chase, you want to bring that person back in. And in turn, that can actually push a lot of people away. Yeah. If there's one overriding quality, I think it's just the need for a constant reassurance. Yeah. That on some level that feels normal. It's like, oh, well, we should say we love each other. Like, love you, love you, I love you, right? It's like that seems like how relationships go a lot of times, but it's actually, it's too much and it's the sign of uh, underlying insecurities. Yeah, yeah. And that's just, 
assuming that you are, I guess a caveat to this is that is assuming that you're not with someone who is not giving you any affirmation. Like if you're with someone who's extremely cold and not giving you lots of affection or any affection at all, you know, perhaps you might go into anxious attachment role, but it's really because of them. They're not giving you any love. So really, and, and Gary, I'd be interested in your thoughts. Is it generally speaking, like if you're with someone who is secure or giving you a healthy relationship and you're still anxious about it, that would be a sign of anxious attachment. Is that an important yeah. caveat here? Absolutely. Because, you know, what I'll say to, to folks a lot of times is like people say, well, I'm generally secure, but with this particular person, because of his behaviors, his emotional unavailability, his just inconsistency, I'm starting to feel anxious. And it's like, well, that's a really bad sign. You know, particularly yeah. if you're a generally secure person, a certain kind of partner can bring out some of these anxious qualities in you, which is not the overall pattern you want to have. Right. Yeah. It's like, why are you feeling anxious? Well, we went out together the other night and he was talking to three women in the corner, whispering in their ears, rubbing the back of their, you know, their back. And <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, I would have anxious attachment style. I would be anxious in that moment as well. Or he disappears for two weeks at a time and he doesn't respond to any of my texts at two weeks at a time. It's like, yeah, that's on him. <laughs> so yeah. there's there's something we consider. You need to think about your partner and who it is that you're you're dealing with. Well, and all this just speaks to what we said a second ago about like there is an anxious style. Like everyone has kind of a, a default style, but everything's on a continuum. Like you're you're not locked in, and so as secure as you are, you can with the wrong partner, you can start feeling more anxious. You can start feeling more avoidant. Um, but here's the here's the good news: if you are more anxious with the right partner, you can start feeling more secure as well. Right, right. And and before we get into these signs as well, I think something that you always say that really sticks with me and the research backs this up is that if you do have an anxious attachment, if you discover that through this this uh, conversation today, then generally speaking, or if you have an avoidant attachment style, which we're not going to be talking about as much, want to be looking for partners who have secure attachment. That is the ultimate, that is the healthy partners who are going to be there for you, give you the appropriate amount of affection. That is ultimate because that is ultimately what we're looking for. Because if you are anxious and you're chasing after avoidance, which tends to happen, that is like the ultimate, like deadly toxic mix. Guess what? You're gonna have a life full of hell and misery in all of your relationships. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, we're talking about anxious today because that tends to be the, the most prominent one. We're going to have a whole separate podcast on, on this same exact idea, but for avoidant. But Ooh. for both of those folks, yeah. right? So coming attractions, avoidant later. Um, <laughs> for both of those it. folks, there's no substitute for finding a secure partner and then yeah. trusting them, right? Because that secure partner is going to have all the right kind of patterns. And, and we'll talk more about that in a future podcast. But it's like, generally speaking, Find a secure partner and trust, trust, Love trust, it. trust. Love it. Should we jump into some of the mo more obvious signs and go into the deeper signs? Let's do it. So I know like the, these obvious ones are, are fairly obvious, but just for the sake of completeness and just generally from my experience, people love talking about attachment so much. I wanted to just kind of cover some of, some of these basic things and, and maybe they're more obvious to some than others. So um, the first one, the first sign of an anxious attachment is the need for constant contact and specifically like over texting because you have your phone and you have this direct line in some ways to that other person, there's really not much preventing you from like, Hey, 
Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, what you doing? What, what are you, you up know? to? It's like, I just talked to you 10 minutes ago. I, I remember, I, have I told the story on this podcast? I just remember this is so clear in my mind. This guy, well, a good friend of mine was dating this girl and he went out for a night and they were just talking and she called him legitimately 47 times that night. Like, call, like we counted it. And it, he was just, he was being innocent. Like, we're just having a boys night. I mean, we're in our 20s. I was like, oh my God, 47 times. That, I mean, that's the most clear, anxious, attached to song. That's, of course, an extreme. But just that constant need for validation, you cannot let it go. We've had clients even who have said like, oh, I went on a great date with him uh, and I haven't heard back from him. And I, so I've been texting him all morning. I still haven't heard back. And I'm like, well, when was the date? They're like, it was last <laughs> night. I'm like- Let's chill out a little bit. It's he gonna has be a okay. job. <laughs> He's got a job. He's a busy dude. It's okay. You're gonna be okay. You know. But this is the thing with this over texting is like it seems innocent, right? Because on some level, it's like I just want him to know I'm thinking of him. I just I just want them to know. And it's like, it, yes, okay, maybe that sounds sort of romantic in a in a off way in, in some ways. But it's like it's also like a need for attention. It, it's a need for reassurance. And the whole idea with uh, secure attachment is you don't need reassurance. You have faith. You have trust. Like you don't need constant reminders that the other person's thinking of you. You just know that they are. You just know that you're a big part of their life. You trust that nothing's going to change that in the next 24 hours. And you just kind of get to live your life. And so right. the strategy, and this, this one we put first, because this is probably one of the most common things that we see with our clients is like, should I text them? When should I text them? Should I text them? When should I, how often should I text them? And it's like, my general strategy for this is when in doubt, err on the side of texting too little than too much. Yes. Hold back. Definitely. Are you tired of committing your heart to a man who only just pulls away? Well, if so, we have a very special presentation that's available to our podcast listeners. It's at a special link. It's called hecommits.com, and it's going to walk you through the five secret strategies that make men commit. Head on over to hecommits.com. It's only available for a short period of time. I think you're going to like it a lot. All right, back to the podcast. The beautiful part about these phones right here is that it is a direct line. So if you've texted him once, he knows how to reach you. He knows how to find you. Like, Gary, you're you're a little bit older. Were you probably dating back in the day when it was like landlines where legitimately if you miss a person, like you kind of got to try them again because, you know, maybe they didn't see your call. Like legitimately you have to try. <laughs> Nowadays, he knows exactly where to find you. He knows how to create a connection with you. He knows it's right there. So err on the side of just... Be more conservative on that front and don't seek that constant, constant validation because the validation, if we can recognize that it's fleeting, suddenly it's irrational. Like, yeah, you get validation for, I don't know, how long does it last? Two hours? And then you're like, wait, now I want to hear from him again. Or maybe it's 24 hours. Maybe it's 48. Whatever that time, it's always fleeting. So just recognize that and realize that, hey, it's going to be okay. He's coming to you. Don't constantly seek that validation. And the, the big thing, the big kicker in all this is the more you try to get that validation from him, the more you're actually going to push him away. That's the big kicker. Right. And, you know, it, there's no denying that you're going to feel this impulse, right? Particularly if, it's, if you're new in a relationship and it's super exciting and you're thinking about them all the time, like that's just stuff that's going to happen, right? But then like fight the impulse, procrastinate, find something else to do, find something else that makes you feel safe and connected. 
fill your life with other things so that you're not just sitting around with nothing else to do than wondering like, what you up to thinking of you? Hey, like all those texts that you want to send, you just got, you got to fill your life with other things. Right. Right. Yeah. Just go exercise. I think that's always, anytime I feel anxious about anything, exercise is always the answer. It really, it really is like mm -hmm. go join a, a class and go do a thing, like go move your body a little bit. Usually after that, you're going to feel a lot better. Um, so I think that that's, Man, texting has really messed with our our love lives, haven't they? Just haven't yes. and, and so, you know, that's why that one's first, because it, there's probably the most common like conundrum that like, clients get themselves in is like, when should I text and how much should I text? But yeah. it, it goes very much in with the second one with it, which is just trying to spend every moment together. And again, right. early in a relationship, this seems like the right thing to do. Like the, everything's wonderful. We should spend 24 hours together, see every every possible moment. But all this is doing is normalizing neediness. This right. is clinginess. Like we were just talking about stage five clinger. It's like this scene, this is neediness, like kind of masquerading as romanticism. And it's not, mm -hmm. it's like, you should have other things going on in your life. And that's really the strategy is like, give your relationship room to breathe. Missing each other is a good thing. And you should have a full, complete life without your partner. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you go on a meetup, if you meet a guy online dating, and you go on a meetup on a Thursday, and then before you know it, by Friday night, you're having dinner with him, you stay at his place, and Saturday, you make breakfast together, then Saturday night, you're meeting all of his friends, then Sunday, practically all your clothes are, clothes are like moved into his house. I assure you, with almost 100% certainty, that within two, like three weeks to three months, this whole relationship's going to blow up. It just like, it, it's too fast, too much, too soon. You're a bunch of strangers who are trying to just like jump in too quickly. And once you can recognize that pattern, that actually creating that space builds desire, then suddenly you're like, oh, this is actually a more fun. It's a more healthy way to date. And then I'm not going to have these constant relationships that just last anywhere from three weeks to three months. Right. You want to avoid those relationships that burn fast, they burn bright, but they're short-lived, right? And like that'll keep happening if you dive in too fast, right? And like you said, you got to create a little little space, create a little bit of tension. Missing is good for relationship partners, um, as is having just other things to do. And if you have other things to do, that's going to slow things down naturally. And the big um, thing with this, just for those of you who are listening, like, yeah, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah, you're probably really good at this with guys you don't like very much. <laughs> but when you like a guy a lot, that's when this kicks in. And I remember myself, like, I was pretty good at this with women that I, when I was dating in my 20s, because I was like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. But when I met Jessica, I wanted to spend a lot of time with her. I really did. Like, that's all I was thinking about. But all that practice of pacing and understanding these concepts, they kick into high gear when it really matters. So just remember these principles when you're in it with a guy that you really like, because most of you are probably just single right now, you're not really talking to a guy you really like. This is when it really matters. Yeah, give yourself some time to savor the other person and savor the relationship. You don't have to like, you know, it's the equivalent of like binge watching a relationship where it's mm -hmm. like, we're just going to see each other 10 hours a day for the first week solid. And then after that, it's like the show's over. Like it's, it's done right. now. And so like, right. now what are you going to do? There's nothing else left. And so give yourself some time to, to really savor what's going on. Right. Um, right. The third obvious sign that you might have anxious attachment is just a relationship with a lot of jealousy, right? You're not just checking in to say that you're thinking of it, but you're checking up on them specifically because you wonder if, 
they're cheating on you, if they're talking to other people, if they're paying other people more attention than they're paying you. Um, and the research on, you know, we said there's a lot of research in all this, and I, I've been kind of holding myself back from interjecting nonstop with research, but the research is very clear. Like people with more anxious attachment, they're more jealous. Um, part of the reason why they're suspecting that their partner might be cheating on them is that people with anxious attachment tend to cheat a little bit more themselves. Hmm. And so when you, when you have certain impulses to do things, you start to think that others have those same impulses. And it's not that, you know, people who are anxious are like bad people. It's like, because you're worried about being abandoned, cheating is a way to like have another relationship lined up because you, part of you is almost thinking like my current relationships, they're going to leave. They're not really that interested. They don't really want me. I don't think. And so you're kind of creating these back burner relationships um, by becoming physically intimate with somebody else. The plot thickens. Interesting. So anxious attachment style tend to cheat more. It makes a lot of sense, right? Because if you're looking for validation, you're not quite getting it, then you, you at some point just seek validation elsewhere. And even if you're with someone, you're in a healthy relationship with a secure attached person, you're still not going to feel like you're getting enough from them. So perhaps you're going to chase that initial feeling that you get when you're in a new relationship, which would be cheating, right? You've got a new person like, because I, I bet anxious attachment style people just love the first month of a new relationship because it's all affection, right? Perfect. It's just all like, oh, those love chemicals just flowing through your body. Two people are there, always there. It's like, it's amazing. But then, you know, once you get to real life, the honeymoon phase is over, anywhere from three weeks to three months in, then they're probably like, hmm, where can I seek that, you know, short-term pleasure elsewhere? You know, it's interesting. Well, and this jealousy creates this, it's what evolutionary psychologists call mate guarding, where it's like, you have to be really vigilant that other people aren't trying to steal your partner or your partner is not going to stray. And so like, you know, if you're highly anxiously attached and you have this jealousy inclination, like you're out to dinner and your partner just kind of like takes their eyes and like moves them off to the side. You're like, what are you looking at? Right. Who, who are you looking at? What are you doing? Or they're checking your phone. Who's texting you? What's that about? Who is it? Is it your girlfriend's probably your girlfriend? Right. And it's like, I've seen other couples who have like these, and it's always like, kind of like playful, like, Oh, it's probably just his girlfriend. And it's like, yeah, like that's hiding something deeper probably when you're saying, yeah. like that, right. Like that's so, you know, jealousy is one thing. Like I'm a highly personally, I'm, I'm a very not jealous person. So I've just like never really understood jealousy. It's it's kind of weird. That's like the one area of like love and dating we talk a lot about, but like personally, I, I just don't experience it. I mean, are you a jealous guy? You're probably not very jealous. I can't I can't see it. You know, I think I, what it is is like I you know I know you well enough. I, you're secure. You're secure. You're very secure, right? So if yeah. you're secure, you have basic trust, and if you have basic trust, there's nothing to be jealous about because it's like. If my wife wanted to leave me, I'm pretty sure she would just tell me. Right. Like, I don't have to monitor it all the time because like I trust her. And it's like, she just would be like, you know, this isn't working. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and right. you deal with that. But it's like, it's not something on every day. I'm like, wait a second. No. She sighed a little deeper today than normal. Like, what is that? <laughs> what are you doing? What guy <laughs> right. are you? Yeah. And I, I think it's not only just that, but also I just have very strong boundaries as in if I'm with someone who strike, if people don't get a lot of reattempts with me, like if I'm with a, a, if I was dating and I found a woman actually was really straying or she did something really sketchy or she lied to me, like right. lying was just 
there's just no coming back from that. So I wouldn't even allow myself to be with that type of person, which I think if I did, then I'd probably become very jealous. Right. You know, so I think that's also very important is holding strong to your boundaries of who you allow yourself to be with, right? If you're with a guy who's constantly sketchy, who is texting all these different women, it's very clear, his phone is buzzing and you see like, and there's like un, uh, inappropriate conversations constantly going on and you catch him in lies all the time. Well, now it's time to actually just have boundaries as to who it is that you allow yourself to be with. I think that's an important part of all this. Yeah, and remember, and we don't say this enough about boundaries, but boundaries are there for you. It's it's a sign of respect for yourself. And so those boundaries are important for you and ultimately for your relationship. Yes. So let's get to some of the more subtle and sneaky indicators of anxious attachment. Yeah, so with these, like these all seem like good things, but it, it's always a case of overdoing it or not quite doing it in the right way, right? Yeah. And so the first one that's kind of a subtle sign of anxious attachment is people who latch on to what I like to call flimsy signs. Mm -hmm. And we'll hear this every once in a while with someone when they're very excited about a new relationship, they're like, I just know we were meant to be. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's exciting, right? It's like, oh, how do you know? And like, you're hoping they're going to say a certain things, but then they say things like he's an Aries and I'm a Sagittarius. Or oh, we, both, we both have a sister named Kristen. Yeah. That's a sign. And it's like, that is the flimsiest sign of signs that yeah. you both have a sister named Kristen or whatever your astrological sign was. It's like one, one of our clients, and this is, this is a direct quote, because I wrote this down because I'm like, this is a perfect example of this, was he wore a green shirt with a dragonfly pattern. You yeah. know, my favorite color is green and I'm obsessed with dragonflies. Oh my God. And this is the very moment where Gary or I come in and what do we do? We burst that bubble so quickly. Like there's just, it's such a funny moment because we have these masterminds where our clients come on, we do Q and A. They're very special sessions throughout the week for our, our clients we work with. And we'll have these clients come on back. This is it. This has worked so well. I'm so excited. It happened so quickly. Adam, Gary, you guys are geniuses. Like six weeks in, I found the man of my dreams. I'd be like, hmm, tell me more. <laughs> so, go, go on. on. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yes. And then you hear such flimsy signs of why they're perfect for each other. It's like, oh, we went to the same high school. And then 20 years later, it turns out that our brothers were born on the same day. Or like, like, and we were both what? on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh my God. We both like pickleball. We both started pickleball. You're like, yeah. Along with like 80% of other human beings over the age of 60. Um, Which we have, we have those conversations and it's always the same thing yeah. where it's like, we want this for you and we want this to work out for you, but these signs are not the signs. Yeah. Right. Like these are minor coincidences. These are fun examples. These are not indicators that you're going to have this relationship. And that's important because you have to realize like these random hits, they're just coincidence, right? And you want to look for more important lasting signs of long-term relationships. And that inclination to focus on the flimsy ones shows just like you're, you're like desperate almost for connection. And that's where it's a sign possibly of anxious attachment. Yeah. Yeah. You throw in the note, you threw in the notes, uh, confirmation bias and, you know, confirmation bias is us looking for signs that like it, it could be used in a lot of different contexts, but in this context, looking for signs that already um, 
support your pre-existing belief system. So if you believe that this, if you're really into this guy and you're just really attracted to him and you want it to work, you're going to look for every single sign that he's right for you, even if they're incredibly flimsy. And so it could even be like, oh, we went out to a date and he held the door for me. Oh, that's so sweet. What was he actually like on the date? And it's like, well, he was actually kind of a jerk to the server. My friends really didn't like him very much. Um, he's still married, but they're, <laughs> but you know, they're just, they're, they're figuring, they're going through divorce soon. And you're like, whoa. And we're talking about him holding the door for you. Right. That's, oh, see, that's the other, that's the other side of these flimsy signs is like, not only do you not use those as indicators, but like, don't use that flimsy sign to counteract or counterweight other bad things, right? Because sometimes people do that. It's like, he held the door. That's plus one. He was mean to me. That's a minus one. Those, those, you know, cancel each other. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> those are not the same. Those are not the same weight. Yeah. I don't know. But men out there, hold doors for women for sure, but also be good guys. Sorry. Right. <laughs> so, like, be consistent in all ways. Yeah. Yeah. Hold yeah. doors and hold good conversations. Like let's let's do a little bit of everything. Right. All right. So the next subtle sign, it goes along with this too, where it's like it's a sign of anxious attachment if early on you just think everything is magical, everything is amazing, everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. And so Early on, that just tends to be the case, first of all. But generally speaking, like your need to make everything so magical and perfect is another one of those signs where like you're you're seeking a connection that may not be there. And I say it may not be there because no person on earth, no relationship on earth is actually truly that perfect and magical. The only way to see it that way is to ignore a lot of things that aren't as perfect as you'd like. Yeah. I mean, if we're just constantly always looking for for always just looking for short-term pleasure and like these feelings of just magical connection you're just going to constantly get short-term results and that's the big shift i i honestly think of all the things that we do with our clients it's helping our clients think long-term in their love life not just three months not even three years like 30 years down the line and if you start thinking of it that way then suddenly you start downgrading this idea of it mattering how magical it is at first. Like, it's great that it's magical. I love that and I support that. But let's not let other than behavior like lead from there and thinking that this is going to last forever. Because it's just it's just not. Like you you just gotta always lower the temperature when you're in that moment. Be like, hey, enjoy it. It's fun. This might be the last time you experience this magical experience, but just know this is fleeting. This is going away. This is absolutely going away. It will not be like this probably ever again. And that's probably a good thing because a real it's not real. Well, not, not only is it fleeting, it's not special because yeah. what we know from the research on relationships is like the relationships that end up being really good and the ones that don't make it, the ones that end up breaking up, they both have something in common, which is they both start off pretty darn good. And mm-hmm. so like that early magic isn't magical in any way. It's, it's just typical. That's how relationships start. And so if you bank on that too much, you're focusing on the wrong thing, right? What you really want to focus on, the strategy to counteract this is kind of a, what have you done for me lately? And how, what is your, what are you doing consistently? Like not what things used to be like, but it's like, what are they like now? And like, what's actually going on lately, right? I mean, that's much more important. Yeah, and just comparing, like we always talk about the 
ultimate relationship we want is the best friend that you're attracted to. The attraction piece is a given. Like you're, it, it's you're gonna be drawn to certain people, and then that's that's gonna be there. And if you're saying it's magical, it's probably because you're attracted to the person. So alongside that, bring along your brain of how is this person showing up as a friend? Are they respectful? Are they caring? Do they actually listen to me? Do they show up when I need them? Do they have a potential to be a best friend that I can really confide in? Do I trust this person? Like all of those things are things that when most people say magical, they're not even thinking about those things because they're so caught up in just, you know, our, we have these lizard brains that are just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I love this person so much and then procreate and so on and so forth. But if we can bring along that, that, that mental model, that strategy of thinking about how do they compare to a true friend? Even think about your closest friends. What's your best friend like? Like, how's that connection? And how does it compare to this particular human being? And once you can start bringing that into the fold, then suddenly it really helps you, I don't know, look at the whole situation from just a different lens. Yeah, it, it goes perfectly with something I like to say a lot, which is follow your heart, but take a little strategy with you, right? It's like, you're going to have those inclinations, but it's like, bring bring this other like smart strategy piece with you so that you're making good sense and good decisions along the way. Right, right. Um, Let's maybe move on to the next one here. Yeah. So the sixth one, right? So this, and this is a subtle sign and it's, again, seems like the right thing to do. It's like clearing out your life for the relationship. It's mm -hmm. like clearing out your calendar, making sure you're totally free. So the next time this person wants to go out with you, you're, you're available, right? And just kind oh, of yeah. making them the priority above and beyond everything else. You're not planning things. Um, now you have to make your partner and your relationship a priority, but it's it's how soon you're putting them above everything else, right? You've all had that friend who, as soon as they start dating somebody, they disappear completely. Oh yeah, like, that's too much, too soon. And chances are, if you're still listening to this podcast right now, you've been that friend. Guarantee <laughs> it. I guarantee it. We've all been that. Like at some point in time in our lives, we've all kind of been that friend where you drop everything for that person. And then you realize later that it was totally irrational. It was totally ridiculous. So you come begging for forgiveness to all of your friends. You're like, I'll never make that mistake again. Right. Um, but I think that this is, I believe that every new relationship, there's a level of time and affection that they need to earn from you in order to get it. Like people really need to earn that. And it's not just a given within the first three weeks of getting to know someone that they've earned all of your time, all of your attention. And it just can't be like one-sided. It can't be all for him. It's got to be balanced. It's got to be fair. It's got to be equal between the two of you. And if you're finding that like the moment you just meet that guy that you really like, oh my God, he's just amazing. You're just throwing out the rest of your life. Not only are you setting yourself up for a disaster, but you're also like you not only you're going to set yourself up to potentially be with the wrong guy, but also you're setting yourself up to push away the right guys. Cause you could, you could end up once again, being that kind of like, I hate to use the word, but I have no other word for it, which is the stage five clinger. You just like throw everything else away and you're totally available to them. And the most practical thing is those one-sided relationships just don't last. Like it yeah. takes two people to sustain a relationship. And so if you're just like prioritizing them so much that that makes it very one-sided toward them. And that's just, that's just not going to last. Now the seventh sign is sounds opposite almost of, of the previous one, which is rather than like over prioritize them, it's like, no, 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 I'm going to just incorporate them into everything of mine. Right. Mm. And that's this idea of like, 
quickly integrating them by like sharing your friends, sharing your family. They come to every family function early on in the relationship. Work functions, they, you, they're all like always by your side with everything you're doing. Like you can't do things alone anymore. And you just bring them along. Cause like we're a couple now, like we couples do couple things together. And it's like, they do, but not everything. Right, right. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Especially, especially family in particular. And if you're, we have a lot of moms in our program and, and women that we work with who have children. God help us. If you're starting to date a guy, don't incorporate him into your child's life until you've been together, until you're in little love step seven for anywhere from, I would say, three to six months. Like until you're in a loving, committed, exclusive relationship with someone for, I mean, I I think our bare minimum in the little love steps is three months, but I'd probably be even more conservative, more like six months because you don't want to involve their feelings in this situation and you don't want to integrate them too quick because it's really hard to know if someone's going to be long lasting until you've been with them for at least six months and really a year and reserve those connections with your family and your friends and your, you know, everyone else in your life, reserve those for the best relationships and the real relationships that you think are really going to last. Yeah. It's gotta, it's gotta be the right time. Right? And you gotta make sure that those special things stay special. And sometimes people try to accelerate the importance of a relationship by like infusing extra special moments. And it's like, well, if he meets my mom and he meets my dog and he meets my kids and he meets all these people and I bring them to my work function, that's going to make our relationship just take off and thrive. And it's like, that's not exactly how it works. Like you want the relationship to earn those things and then those will propel the relationship forward. It's like, you can't speed it up artificially by just like bringing your, your partner to, you know, your company picnic. Look, I will say though, I'm not a big dog guy. So if you want to introduce them to your dog early, fine. That's the one I'm, I'm okay with that. That's true. The other ones, your dog can be the one you just pass out to all the guys that you date. Cause you know what? That's so cute. I love that. <laughs> but the other ones, save them for the real guy, right? Slow it down. Right. Well, and if your dog doesn't like them, that's a sign. I, um, like, I don't know how much that's true. I'm, I will say that. I don't know if that's science, but it's like, if my dog didn't like somebody, I'm trusting them. Gary, I don't know, man. I've been bit by two dogs in the past like three years. I, by the way, I grew up with dogs. Like I, lo- I actually do love dogs. But I've been bit twice. Both were kite surfing. So, and one I had to go to the hospital from. So, I don't know, man. Dogs don't seem to like me right now. I don't know what's maybe, going on here. Maybe it's because you're in a wetsuit and you look like a seal. Maybe that. I think it, is. it really is, dude. It was so gnarly. Like, I was on the sand. I had my kite. It was so windy. And a dog just lunges at my ankle and just like splits it open. And I'm like, and it was a tiny little bastard. Like, he just got me. <laughs> I came home to Jess. I'm like, a dog bit me again. She's like, what is wrong with you and dogs? I'm like, I don't know. So it's funny. I'm a dog person. I have a dog. Like I have a chocolate Labrador, but it's like when I I go running in the park, it happens at least once a month where like I'm running and I'll come up behind somebody with like a little dog and the dog like lunges at me and I got to like matrix my way out of the way to like not get bit. But it's the little ones you got to be scared of. It's true. It is. All old. right. Back on track though here. Let's, let's go to the, the final one, which is getting too physical too fast. Right, Gary? Like it's like when yeah. you're in that connection, you just feel like your stars are aligned. The conversation's flowing. The wine is flowing. And you can just – it just – everything feels right. You go with your feeling. Go with your heart. Like this is exactly how it should be. And yeah. what ends up happening when we do that? 
it's all physical. It's all the chemistry. It, it, it's like, it's this overpowering. And it's like, and the research shows, right? If you're anxiously attached, anxiously attached people tend to have more highly sexualized relationships. Because remember, one of the fundamental characteristics of anxious attachment is a need for extreme closeness. And so physical relations, like that's an easy way to show how close you want to be to somebody. Now, mm. it's it's an easy way. And it's actually not the most important way. Like you act like physical, it's it's cheap, it's quick, it's easy, right? It's it's not that long. It's fun. Yeah. It's it, fun. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it it, can, it takes moments, whereas like the real emotional intimacy takes days, weeks, months, years. It gets it's a slower, more patient process. And that's not always enough soon enough for someone who's anxiously attached. From a man to a large number of single women right now, I have a message to you. If a man is willing to sleep with you, it means just about nothing. Right. I mean, honestly, especially if he's just single and you go on a date and he's giving you validation, he's he's willing to pull out all the stops to get you into bed. It doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. It's a harsh reality. Like it, it just is. I'm, I mean, I'm a guy. I know that feeling in the back of our minds when you're talking to a woman. And then you sleep with her and you're like, mm, no, I actually, I don't know. Maybe this wasn't the right fit. I don't know. Because you, then you get to know the person later and it's not a good fit. So like, I, I just have to throw that out there. with something like, this is where the big brother Adam comes in with all of our clients, which is just because he's pursuing you for sex does not mean he likes you on an emotional level. So waiting, slowing it down allowing for the friendship to develop, allowing for that emotional attraction to exist between the two of you is the best avenue forward. And by the way, you're going to lose some guys along the way because some guys aren't going to want to wait. And if they don't want to wait, good riddance. Next, move on to the next because all they were going to do is sleep with you and leave anyways. Yeah, you're going to lose some, but you're losing all the right ones. And that's important. That's an important mental shift in terms of how you're dating. It's like your job's not to make every possible partner work out. It's really not. It's to make the right ones work out and only be available for the right ones and the ones that aren't right for you to not let those work out and not be you know upset about it. And so the thing that we talk about in the program all the time, which is it's, it's a tough lesson, but it's a very important one is patience is important. Discipline is important. And we emphasize this concept of pacing. It's like purposefully doing things to slow yourself down. And if you're actually attached, you want to do the exact opposite, which is why we create like these little rules almost about how often you can see people, how much time in between things, how much time the guy has to give you before he sets up the next date. Like, There's a bunch of things, these little mechanisms, these little strategies in the program that kind of help you pace, slow things down so you don't become your own worst enemy with this stuff. Yeah, they're just guardrails. And guardrails are helpful when you're just getting out there and dating, but they are critical when you meet someone that you really like, and they are absolutely foundational if you meet someone you really like and you have anxious attachment. So just know that you can work on this. You can be aware of it. You can change your behavior. You're completely empowered. Don't allow yourself to feel a victim to being anxious, having an anxious attachment. If you do, you can change this. We've, we've, with proof of it of literally thousands of clients we've worked with. So now is time to empower your, your love life, taking some of these strategies, move forward with them. Let's find you that secure attachment guy you can spend the rest of your life with. That was great. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, Adam. 
All right, so now we're at the end of the podcast and hopefully you got a lot of really great information from this podcast. But as we know, information can only take you so far. It's time to take some action. So what I recommend you do now is head on over to loveapply.com. It's gonna walk you through a series of questions and then you'll be able to book what we call a complimentary love strategy session. Yes, you've heard it. Someone on my team is going to get on a phone call with you, be able to understand your situation, what it is that you're struggling with in your love life and create that strategy to help you attract that man, that relationship you truly deserve. So take that action, go make it happen. We cannot wait to speak with you. Loveapply.com. And uh, yeah, let's help you create that love life you truly deserve. All right. Speak soon. Bye-bye.